come before you. Thank you for the opportunity to um, just to be in your house tonight, and um, of course, just me, me personally being able to lead the lesson tonight. I ask that you just uh, please help me as uh, to present that um, faithfully with uh, with your word. Um, it would uh, work in the lives of others as well as me as well. And I do also think of just think of David, David Tincher right now that um, he's in. Uh, some pretty serious physical condition. Um, obviously not doing very well. Um, it sounds like you have a surgery tomorrow again to kind of go hopefully clean everything out, but that you would uh, be working in that. And um, his situation, of course, um, his parents and uh, grandmother as well, but um, more importantly for spiritual needs in the situations, Lord, that you just use this to draw people to yourself that they would uh, just, again, just use it as only you can to, uh, to get people's attention, to direct people to you. And I do ask you to be in the situation, um, be um, in the situation spiritually and physically. And again, please be with us this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. So while I'm getting all suited up here, I need some helpers to pass out lessons. Anybody interested? left just put it right on that seat right there okay you pick that one up Joel that one on the floor okay. everybody get one okay, cool. <clears throat> okay. so uh, interesting lesson tonight my dad's not here to uh, uh, get some comments this evening as you'll see um, oh well the uh, lesson number four is, um, again, kind of talking about some just analogies and metaphors here of the Christian life. Lesson four tonight is a soldier. So our text verses are 2 Timothy 2, 1 to 4, and I'll go ahead and read those. It says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. The same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. The Bible describes the Christian life as a battle, and we as soldiers are privileged to serve under the greatest captain ever with an assured victory as well. And we should be motivated because of that to the highest standard of excellence that we can. And as soldiers for the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to be strong, getting the proper spiritual diet and exercise. And we also need to be single-minded, enduring hardness and resisting distractions and be secure, understanding our position, our destination, and our commission. So some objectives this, this evening, um, number one is just to understand the reality of that spiritual warfare that we're in. And then number two, that we would just commit ourselves to the disciplines that contribute to the strength and the focus that we need 
in it. And then number three, that we would purpose to give Christ the faithful obedience to the end that he deserves. So jumping right into the, the lesson, again, there's some interesting illustrations um, this evening. Um, but the introduction, kind of jumping right in here. Now, a good soldier will follow the commands of his leader to win a military victory. He's faithful to the end, whether that's in victory or defeat, life or death. And he does his duty regardless of the circumstances and in spite of the difficulties. And the Bible describes the Christian life as a battle. But unfortunately, many Christians, everybody probably at some point, don't realize that we're living in a spiritual war zone every day. And because of that, we can't see the battle that surrounds us. We doubt its reality sometimes. Ephesians 6.12 is the first verse there on your sheet. Is it on the sheet there? It's not on the sheet? Okay. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. There's sometimes, most of the time, all the verses that are like set out in here are always on the sheet, but then like every so often you <laughs> find ones that are like not. So as an analogy, wrestling involves an intense struggle for supremacy. And the illustration here is wrestling was extremely important in the Greco-Roman world. <clears throat> During the time of the Apostle Paul, the outcome of a wrestling match could involve some serious consequences. It says the winner received praise, adulation, and rewards, while the loser could have his eyes gouged out, or worse. So he obviously didn't want to lose, <laughs> lose if you're in those situations. And with so much at stake, it only made sense for each contestant to prepare himself in every way possible to give the struggle his absolute best effort on that. And more is at stake in the unseen spiritual warfare than any wrestler ever faced. 2 Timothy 2, which we've already read, and then Ephesians 6, um, we read that as well. And they both admonish the Christian to prepare himself with the armor of God and to give it his all in the spiritual battles that he faces daily. Um, Paul admonished Timothy, and it's actually 1 Timothy 6, um, to fight the good fight of faith. And the, our text verses that we read back in 2 Timothy um, chapter 2 describe the qualities of a successful soldier. And that kind of is a little bit of our outline that we're kind of looking at tonight. And our lives should contain these qualities for us to be good soldiers of Christ. So sub-points, well, not sub-point, main point one is a something soldier. And all these start with an S. That is correct. A strong a strong soldier. A soldier must be strong and fit for the battle, and a Christian soldier is no exception. 2 Timothy 2, 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. No one, this is an interesting thought, no one sets a goal to be weak. And people want to be strong and healthy. And, of course, the increasing number of fitness and health centers and diet industries, all that kind of stuff, really reflects that. Um, they're everywhere. You know, everyone agrees that diet and regular exercise are the key to strength and health. 
Um, new military recruits are required to take several weeks, it's a little bit more than several weeks, really, of basic training or boot camp. And a primary goal in this training is to make the recruit physically fit and strong, disciplined, and able to endure because that then prepares them for a later service assignment. Anything that's left to itself will eventually decay or fall apart. Atrophy is a word that's thrown in here. haven't heard that one in science class for a while. Atrophy. I know a garden will fill up with weeds, a house will fall apart, car eventually won't, won't start if it's just left to itself. And unless we put effort into keeping ourselves strong and healthy, our physical condition will inevitably deteriorate, obviously. And even so, our spiritual strength will deteriorate if it's neglected. To be a strong Christian soldier, there's, um, I'm not going to say these next two things because that's kind of our next our sub points to give them away. There's some things we need to maintain um, for spiritual warfare. And number, well, sub point A, this starts with a D, short four letter word diet. The Word of God is often compared to food. Job 23 12. Neither have I come back from more than other books. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Psalm 119, 103. How sweet are the words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Jeremiah 15, 16. <clears throat> thy words were found, and I did eat them, and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord, God of hosts. And 1 Peter 2.2. 2. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. Serious athletes understand the importance of ingesting the right kind of food, which is ironic why they have Olympians doing McDonald's commercials. But anyway. <laughs> you feel, uh, I wonder if you feel uh, slightly hypocritical doing that. <laughs> but anyway. And they regularly measure calories and keep total accounts of protein, all that kind of stuff. And they monitor their diet for no other nutrients to really give themselves no top performance in their um, whatever their field is. An illustration here says, a number of years ago, a father by the name of Marv Marinovich, I don't know if that sounds familiar, a former NFL lineman, not sure, I didn't look it up to see where he was from, decided he's going to help his son, Todd, develop into a great athlete. So it goes through some things, um, basically, of... Um, their diet and what they ate and stuff. And he would succeed well enough that he'd play quarterback at USC and then he'd be drafted in the first round by the Raiders, actually. So, um, sounds interesting. And you know, just as proper diet is essential for the athlete who wants to succeed, it's also important for a soldier who wants to be in good physical shape and to carry out the orders of his superiors. And the Christian soldier must be spiritually fit to serve his master to the fullest. And thus he needs a proper diet, the meat of the Word of God. Now the world is quick to offer a full selection of junk food that can be light and tasty but doesn't give any nutrition. You know, it looks good but it's not beneficial. You know, that's, um, and it obviously can be harmful as well. And of course that's true in the physical and the spiritual realm. Now, many leaders in the self-help and success industry claim to be spiritual leaders, but if their advice isn't solidly based on God's word, 
it's going to lead us in the wrong direction. We should watch our diet, physically, spiritually, mentally, and emotionally. And spend time daily feeding on God's Word. Don't just read to check something off your to-do list, but read to learn. Take the time to really think about what you've read and let God work in your mind, heart, and life. I've heard it said, um, don't have, well, we, sometimes in our culture, we tend, people tend to want McChurch, drive-through church, you know, kind of go in and go out, and you're done, you get your picture, that kind of thing. So don't just settle for Twinkie devotions, where you quickly read a verse or two and then say a short little routine prayer, because that won't help you grow in the Lord. Think about a cow chewing her cud. She doesn't hurry, and she gets all she can out of that mouthful of food. And we need to do the same with the Word of God. So we have diet, and then point B, exercise. Now, usually the words diet and exercise are paired. You know, if we eat, kind of interesting, think about that illustration of the, the, the lineman and his son there. You know, if we eat but don't exercise, you can eat as, yeah, we eat and don't exercise, we tend to expand in an unhealthy manner. And exercise without eating properly will not be good for us either. Regular exercise must accompany a proper diet. How can we as soldiers of Christ exercise in a spiritual sense? It gives a couple um, examples here. First, we must exercise our faith, first of all. Abraham's an example of a man who exercised his faith. Faith is extremely important because the Christian life is lived by faith, and God instructs us to walk by faith in every area of our life. Romans 4, verse 20. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. And then Romans 14, 23. Faith is like a muscle. It doesn't grow naturally. It must be exercised. As we exercise in living by faith, it will become a habit. This is an interesting kind of statement here that strikes home a little bit. We establish bad habits by the repetition of wrong actions. And we establish good habits by the repetition of right actions. An interesting way to think about it. You hear the thing, if you do something 21 times in a row or something like that, it becomes a habit. If anybody else has heard that before, heard that number, it's just kind of an interesting, interesting number. But we establish bad habits by the repetition of wrong actions, and we establish good habits by the repetition of right actions. Exercise your faith by choosing to trust God, even in the face of difficult circumstances or uncertainty. Exercise your faith by reading and believing the promises of God. Exercise your faith by obeying the commands of God, trusting that he will bless your obedience. And then secondly on that, we need to exercise ourselves in right living. By doing this, Paul was able to testify of a clear conscience to Felix. Acts 24, 16. And herein do I exercise myself, have always a conscience void of offense towards God and towards men. Paul practiced right living so that he would have no regrets to either God or his fellow man. And no matter what the situation or what the difficulties, he exercised himself to do the right thing 
every time. And then on third, on this um, things to exercise, we need to exercise ourselves in godliness. First Timothy four seven to eight. But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having the promise of the life that now is, and and of that which is to come. This need to exercise yourself in having the proper attitude toward God and in giving Him the respect and honor He deserves doesn't come naturally. It will take work. When evaluating your spiritual diet and exercise, keep in mind that there's always room for growth. God does not expect from a baby Christian what he expects from a mature Christian. Hebrews 5, 14. The strong meat belongeth to them that are full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. None of us want to live our entire Christian life on a child's level. We need a proper spiritual diet and consistent exercise to grow. 2 Timothy 3, 18. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory, both now and forever. The soldier must be strong. Choose to make the diet and exercise that will make you strong in the Lord part of your daily routines. Now on to point two, we had a, I think it was a strong soldier was the first point. And then this is a a hyphenated word. That's self-disciplined. Trying to think if it's in the, uh, does start with an S, the the first word does. How strong it is, because the words aren't in the text verses. It has the idea is definitely there. It has the idea, hmm, kind of in verses three and four. Got it. A single-minded soldier. A soldier must also be single-minded. 2 Timothy 2, 3 to 5. Those are sheep then. No man that work entangle with himself to the affairs of his life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for mastery, yet he is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. What does it take? to become a single-minded soldier. What are the characteristics of a single-minded soldier? Point, or sub-point A, he endures hardness. Hardships are part of a soldier's job description. 2 Timothy 2, 3. Is that on the sheet? Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. The songwriter expressed this truth so well when he asked, Shall I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease, while others fight to win the prize and sail through bloody seas? And the first verse of that is, Am I a soldier of the cross? 
a follower of the Lamb? And shall I fear to own his cause? Or I might be missing that. And blush to speak his name. And then that's verse 2, I believe. We're in a battle, and it's not easy. Paul encouraged us to press toward the mark in Philippians 3.14. Success will take effort, determination, and endurance. And uh, An illustration here. An intense event called the crucible marks the end of the basic training of a United States Marine, which my dad would say, hoorah, if he was here. Uh, it says the Military News Network website describes the crucible like this. The crucible marks a final test of everything Marine recruits have learned. Here, they will experience sleep deprivation, food rationing, and a series of intense mental and physical tests that will put an exclamation point on their time in recruit training. By the time recruits take on the crucible, they normally have about 11 weeks of solid training behind them and it will all be needed. Tired and hungry, they must work together to overcome extreme challenges or experience the bitterness of failure as a platoon. A mother of a Marine gives a few more details. 54 grueling hours, 40-mile hike stopping at different stations, learning survival and teamwork, four hours sleep total, three meals total, will be one of the hardest things ever done. Sounds uh, a little intense. Think of the monumental level of endurance required of a recruit in order to make it through the crucible and earn the right to become a United States Marine. A soldier is expected to endure hardness. As Christian soldiers, God wants us to demonstrate our single-mindedness by enduring hardness. We all enjoy the sweet promises of God, promises of His presence, His protection, His provision, yet God also promises that there will be need for endurance. 2 Timothy 3.12 Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Matthew 5.10-12 Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. First Peter four twelve to thirteen. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice, inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. So God promises us hardships and afflictions as well as joy and peace. It's kind of an interesting thing. We're promised that in there. How could we truly know the peace of God were there no unrest for us in the world? How could we have real joy in Christ if there were no earthly sorrow? Interesting thoughts. John sixteen thirty three. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. We can remain single-minded by setting ourselves to endure hardness. We have God's own promise that the final victory will be ours as we are faithful to the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my Lord. 
Beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Subpoint B, we had endures hardness, and now B remains free of, starts with an E, entanglement. Remains free of entanglement. A single-minded soldier refuses to be distracted by anything that competes with his duty. 2 Timothy 2, 4. No man that worth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. The tomb of the unknown soldier in the Arlington National Cemetery near Washington, D.C. is a monument to those soldiers who gave their lives in service to the United States, but whose bodies were not identified. The tombs guarded 24 hours a day, seven days a week, basically all the time. Has anybody ever seen that before? I've seen like video or pictures of it, but I've never seen it in person. The, uh, the centennial on duty performs his responsibility with great ceremony and utmost precision. He takes 21 steps, alluding to the 21-gun salute, the highest honor given to any military dignity. So he takes 21 steps across the tomb, turns to face the tomb for 21 seconds, turns again, changes his weapon to the outside shoulder, counts another 21 seconds, and then makes a 21-step return walk. And that is repeated until he's relieved at the guard change. That's pretty crazy. And the guard allows no distractions to his mission, whether it does not matter. Friends in the crowd watching the ceremony do not matter. If the soldier's nose itches, he waits until he's formally relieved and out of sight to scratch it. No distractions, no entanglements, no personal concerns will keep the soldier from performing his duty. Yeah, I've seen pictures like in the, on the pouring rain or the snow and the cold. It's 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 a year. There's somebody there doing that, which is pretty crazy. The world in which we live provides many opportunities for distractions and entanglement. We can become overly concerned with houses, cars, finances, hobbies, and even problems. And it's interesting, thinking about that, all that is is just a distractions from our, what we're supposed to be doing, from our duty. Well, Jesus himself talked about in Matthew 6, 24, that no man can serve two masters. If we're trying to serve the Lord and ourselves, or the Lord and our finances, or the Lord and our hobbies, we then have two masters. This distraction will make us unstable soldiers. James 1, 8. A double man is unstable in all his ways. Free yourself from distractions by keeping your focus on the Lord himself. So we had endure hardness, subpoint A. Subpoint B was remains free of entanglement. And then C obeys his commanding officer. There are two spaces, yep. A submitted soldier is an effective soldier. Matthew 8, 8 to 9. Is that one on your sheet? Yes. Yeah. 
The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and your servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh, and to my servants, Do this, and he doeth it. Just as the Roman soldiers under this centurion were required to obey, a Christian soldier likewise must obey God. The Bible is the manual for the Christian soldier, and spiritual warfare must be conducted according to the guidelines found in the Word of God. Under battle conditions, there may occasionally be some confusion as to who's in charge, but military progress can't be made until this confusion is resolved. That's why Christians must be fully aware of just who our commanding officer is. As long as we're trying to fight our way, we won't be successful for the cause of Christ. Joshua learned the importance of recognizing God as the supreme commanding officer just before the Battle of Jericho. As he stood outside the city, no doubt calculating his plans for battle, he encountered a man with a drawn sword. Art thou for us or for our adversaries? Joshua asked. The answer was humbling. Nay. <laughs> he didn't answer. Just think about that. He didn't answer the question. Are you for us or for our adversaries? No. But as captain of the host of the Lord, am I now come? The Lord, as the rightful captain, then gave Joshua his battle plans. It's kind of interesting thinking about that. Later in Joshua's life, he reminded the Israelites that they must single-handedly serve the Lord. He challenged them, choose you this day whom you will serve, in Joshua 24, 15, and then announced his own choice. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The world prefers to cut corners doing things the easy way. But success in warfare demands single-minded soldiers. Don't allow your heart to dwell on the hardness of the warfare and become overwhelmed. Instead, concentrate on the goodness of God. Don't become distracted by worldly entanglements. Focus on your duties as a soldier. And don't attempt to fight spiritual battles your way. Submit to your commanding officer and make his pleasure your highest goal. The last point this evening, we had there find an outline here we had a strong soldier a single-minded soldier and now third a something soldier starts with an s not that i don't think the word the word's not in the verses not suffering It's a, how do I explain this? Has the idea of confident. Close. It's selfless. Has the idea of the soldier is strong, single-minded, and he's also, has the, has the idea of confidence. It's close. Secure. Oops, I just gave you the other word there, too. A secure soldier. A soldier must understand 
who he is, where he's headed, and what his responsibilities are. A clear recognition of these things provide the sense of security that he needs to focus on his mission. And subpoint A, you might have seen it up there already. Anybody? It starts with a P. Soldier knows who he is and where he stands. Starts with a P. So he knows his position. Yep. His identity. Every soldier in the United States military is made to believe that he's a member of the best of the best. Now his branch is the greatest, no question. He's secure in his position. One of the biggest college football games of the year is the Army-Navy game. And pinning the team of the United States Military Academy at West Point, New York, which is Army, against the United States Naval Academy at Annapolis, Maryland, which is Navy. Um, these games are not necessarily top teams in the televised standings, but the game has been nationally televised for many years. The first game in 1890 was won by Navy, by the Navy. And this was written in 2010, but at the time of this writing, overall the Navy leads in the series 53 to 49, so again, that's pretty close, with seven ties and a seven-game winning streak at the time. And up in the stands, everyone takes sides. I don't know if anybody's actually ever seen that. It's actually pretty cool because, like, you'll have, like, the recruits of each on each side and then their hats, and they all throw them up times and stuff. It's pretty cool. They know everybody takes sides, and they know exactly which side they're rooting for. They're secure in their position. A Christian must be aware of and secure in his position as well. It's a great honor to be a soldier for the King of Kings. So a secure soldier in uh, subpoint A was his position, and now subpoint B, his, starts with a D, his destination. A secure soldier know where he's, knows where he is headed, his destination. Our commander has clearly told us our final destination, which is heaven. John 14, 2 to 3. Not sure where we stopped off last. What were the last verses there? In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. A soldier in Christ's army understands his promotion schedule. First suffering, then victory. 2 Timothy 2.12 If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. Our future is secure. We truly do know, in the words of Paul Harvey, the rest of the story. There's a song that's called, I'm on the winning side. I don't know if anybody's ever heard that before. I'm on the winning side. Indeed, we are on the winning side because our ultimate victory is already guaranteed. And because of that, we don't have any need to fear the evil one for we're on the victorious side. And we have Christ's own promise that we'll someday rule and reign with him. And last this evening, we had position, we had destination, and now C, which also starts with a C. 
He's secure in his position, secure in his destination, but he's also sure in his... Not that. What did you say, Doug? You're close. My commitment. You think about it. I can go this way. As uh, think of officers when they graduate. Yes, commission. Commissioned as an officer. Our commission has been given. We have our marching orders, and absolute obedience and faithfulness is required. The same faithfulness required of stewards is required of soldiers. 1 Corinthians 4.2. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. The well-known motto of the United States Marine Corps is Semper Fidelis. Anybody know what that means? means always faithful. Semper Fi. Commissions are, in reality, commands to fight. 1 Timothy 6.12. Fight the good fight, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also... Whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Paul demonstrated personal obedience to his commission, uh, 2 Timothy 4, 7. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. In his famous poem, The Charge of the Light Brigade, Tennyson wrote, There's not to make reply, there's not to reason why, there's but to do, not or die, and die. There's but to, but to do and die. Everybody know what that's... Uh, the Charge of the Light Brigade, what that's based on. I don't remember the year. It was 1800 something with, with England, some battle. I think it was actually in the Crimea, actually, something back in there. But the Charge of the Light Brigade, and I think it was some, literally a miscommunication or misunderstanding of orders where a light brigade basically was basically like a picket's charge against like artillery and stuff and like it, like it should have never happened as I understand it was like a miscommunication but they went and they did it <laughs> so that's the charge of light brigade there's not to make reply there's not to reason why there's but to do and die as soldiers for the Lord we understand our position who we are and where we stand we understand our destination where we're headed, and we understand our commission to fight faithfully until the end. So in conclusion, what a privilege that we have to serve in the Lord's army under the greatest captain ever with an assured victory, and we should be motivated to the highest standard of excellence as a soldier. The sentry guarding the Tomb of the Unknowns does not vary his routine even at night when no one's is around. Think about that, literally by himself in the dark. He believes that those buried in that tomb deserve his very best at all hours. How much more does Christ, who was crucified, buried, and rose for us deserve 
our very best. So kind of wrapping it up here, we must be strong, getting the proper spiritual diet and exercise. We must be single-minded, enduring hardness and resisting distractions, and we must be secure. Understanding our position, our destination, and our commission. So a couple questions here. Let's uh, look at these real quick as we finish up. What two elements are required for strength, and what are the spiritual counterparts for the Christian soldier of these elements? Light and exercise. Yep. Uh, Christian must maintain a regular diet of God's Word and exercise in faith, right living, and godliness were the three things that, that we talked about there. What are the three characteristics of a single-minded soldier? There's hardness. Doesn't allow himself to become entangled with the world. And he obeys his commanding officer. What's the manual for the Christian soldier? God's word. What's the promotion schedule for the Christian soldier? Suffering and victory. This next question is interesting. On a scale of 1 to 10, where would you place your spiritual strength? And what steps, can, what steps can you take to improve your spiritual diet and exercise to increase that number? Interesting question. The, uh, it says, answers will vary, but steps to improve spiritual diet and exercise could include the following. I could become more faithful in my Bible reading and church attendance. I could become accountable to a godly Christian for diligent scripture memory. I can exercise my faith by obedience to the Lord. So number six, again, some answers are very here, but what hard circumstances is the Lord allowing in your life right now? And what promises can you claim as you patiently endure? Number seven is what in your life is working to distract you from focusing on your duties as a soldier? What can you do to keep your focus? That's a pretty good question. What is working to distract you from your focus? And then number eight, our captain deserves our very best. In what ways could you increase your level of excellence to give him your best? Those are interesting questions. What are ways that we could increase our level of excellence to give him our best? So again, an interesting challenging again lesson tonight anything stand out particularly to, to anybody i know one thing that kind of stood out to me that um was thinking about is that that idea of enduring hardness you know is not, not fun in life with different situations and and stuff um but really that's part of our job and thinking about it that as a soldier that's one of the things we're supposed to do is endure hardness um, and then the idea also of um, remaining free of entanglements on that um, as well a single-minded soldier refuses to be distracted by anything that competes with his duty um, so there's some things that kind of stood out to me personally on there any other thoughts from anybody?
plays. Um, like there's uh, times in some people's lives that like, just have a really hard time. Not that we've experienced this yet, and you know, hopefully maybe we don't, but maybe we do. <laughs> but of, uh, there's just some things that some Christians go through that are just really hard and seem to be a lack of food and sleep uh, spiritually. It kind of reminds me of that as part of the groups that are up to become better, stronger Christian soldiers. Interesting thoughts. So his preaching this morning kind of lines up the same sort of thing in a different kind of way. But you know, every spiritual giant in the in the Bible went through all this. But if you study their life, it's just you know they they knew what their job was, they knew what their destination was, but it was difficult. Mm-hmm. They had lapses, mm-hmm. mistakes, but then the direction is direction, not perfection, for sure. Again, I think mine exactly like part of the lesson, but when we are soldiers together, so when we're down or someone's down, like not to kick them when they're down, but encourage them. And, It's interesting, like talking about the crucible there, you you um, um, succeed or fail as a platoon. It wasn't necessarily individual, because I think it was an interdependence, because there's no way you can do it yourself. It's a dependence on your, um, your platoon, your group. Think about that, yeah, like as a church, as, a fa- as families, as churches, and that. Good thoughts? Anything else? <laughs> I was going to say, it was uh, he probably could have added some commentary on some things tonight, but probably could have. The um, last chance, and otherwise we'll close. Okay, let's pray. Lord, I do thank you for the lesson tonight, um, the challenge that that is, to get just me personally with the enduring hardness and then just remaining free of entanglement. Um, um, specific things to me, you know, that stood out in the lesson, and um, everyone kind of has their own individual takes on what stood out to them on that, and then um, just how you speak to our lives in that way is just really neat, and um, just help us as as soldiers in your army, <laughs> literally, to, to fight a good fight, that fight a good fight, that we would be strong, that we would be single-minded, and we'd be secure, and because of that, we can enables us to do what you've called us to do. I pray that you'd give us safety as we go to our homes this evening and bring us back together again on Wednesday. And also just uh, be working in David um, and just uh, physical things in his surgery tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen.